You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast, season 10, episode 6. I'm John, I'm your host for tonight, and we have returning guests in the last couple of weeks, Scott from the Footy Blog, Blog Net, how you doing? How you doing? I'm good, thanks. I am alright, yeah. And we have returning guests from a couple of weeks ago, uh, Tony, how you doing, you alright? Yeah, I'm fine, thanks for having us. Aye, no, good to have you back on. So, we might have Chris featuring later on because he is an expert when it comes to talking about the Nations League. And all the ins and outs of that. Book <laughs> zero. Um, because obviously, we've got the Scotland games coming up. Um, so, I see what happens there. Going back to last week, may as well kick off with the Celtic game. And disappointment from a. Certainly, a Celtic point of view. Obviously, some folk, Scottish eyes, only maybe one all Scottish team to do well. So, I. You need to start with it, the lack of striker. That, that was a big talking point, certainly. I know Ryan Christie has played there before. However, Celtic have spent, what, about £8.5 between mm. Ajete and Lamala. Uh, and for neither of them to be deemed worthy of a start in such a big tie. Crazy, I think. Bob. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's one of these things, Lennon seems to do it every so often. He he has one of these moments where he has a, a formation and a team that you just don't expect. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know why he chose Christie to play up front by himself. Uh, to me, I, I would have flung the boy Klamal on for the start. Um just because he is a striker. I know he's saying he's got no match for, but he's had pre-season. So, you, you know. Sorry, whose fault is it if he's not match fit? Oh, it must be between Lennon and the coaching staff. So for him not to be match fit. So that's, that's, that's my point. It has to be down to Lennon then to make sure he's match fit before then. You know, any time that the boy did play pre-season, he, he seemed to do well. So it's always strange if you've got one main striker like Edward. I know there's a temptation to play him all the time. I get that. But if something happens, you have to have a plan B. And mm. in that game, against that opposition, and they're very good, they're very equipped. You know, I'm not taking anything away. Uh, but you've got to play with a striker. That's what your team is set up to do week in, week out. Christie is not messy. He's not going to be the false nine that's going to allow things to happen and create things himself. I, I totally agree with you. Clamala should have started, not start them, and then saying he's not much fit and he's not ready. It's just going to dent his confidence. I think that happened in the weekend. And then you bring mm. a jetty in for the last half hour. It's, you know, at least if he's, if he's not fully match sharp, He'll still make the runs. He'll still do certain things. He'll keep the ball up up top. He's going to do more for the team in terms of the way the style was previous to that game than Christie was going to do. Um, and that's where Lennon has to take full responsibility. If he's not match fit, then that's up to Lennon. How have you not gotten to that stage? 
Do we think Lennon yeah, has I, underestimated them? Yeah, definitely. I, yeah, he, he's thought that he could do we could basically do against Motherwell for the first half, and we'd get a break and we'd score, and then everything would be okay, and then he'd fling the strikers on. Um, for, for me, he need to have somebody up there. There's, there's not much point having a boy up there who's never played up from before, and that's the thing. I could understand if I was an attacking midfielder who has played up front, you know, I mean, has had, had a, a chance up there, but he's never played up front. I don't think any Celtic fan would ever think, oh, we'll play Christie up front. I mean, I've seen it happen with us before. We've played Lewis Morgan up front and Mickey Johnson up front. And again, it was disasters. It, it, it just didn't work. And yet we're doing it in a game that's potentially one of our biggest games of the season. And it's turned out to be one of our biggest games of the season because we've been knocked out because of the money with regards to why he never started with Klamal, I don't know. He, again, he said there was not much for. To me, he came on against Motherwell, looked decent. And I know a lot of people are saying, oh, well, look at the chances I missed. To me, that's not because he's match fit, or not match fit, I should say. It's because he's got no confidence. Yeah. I mean, because your confidence how... will be shattered. I did. Yeah, want. because your confidence is shattered because. You could understand Edward being first pick. You could maybe even understand Ajeti being second pick. But to then be overpicked by Christie as a striker, you must be sitting there thinking, well, I'm, I'm way, way down the pecking order here. Or he just does not have any faith in me. You know? The thing is, as I say, he actually started pre-season well. He's did okay. Mm. But he's, he came on against Kamalak. Was it Kamalak? First game of the season, I'm sure he had a, 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 a Hamilton, 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 sorry. Mm-hmm. He, he did well there. And then he gets dumped for the rest of it. And you're like, that's why he's no match mm-hmm. fit. You've not cons- consistently then played him. Um, nah. You've not had rough bounce games. I know, obviously, they've been impacted with the, the ball and goalie COVID stuff. But it's just ridiculous. As I say, you play him just as that focal point, if nothing else. And then pushes everybody else forward. You've got Forrest, Eloise pushing them forward. With Christie coming deep and Christie not knowing that position, you've then got a, a third of the field, the most important third of the field, just lying vacant, hoping that one of the wingers is going to take up the responsibility. And it's just, it's not even their job either. It's just a strange mix where they're you not know, used to it. You know what? This isn't the first time Lennon done this. If you remember last season, um, when they bought Bolongoli and Julian. They never played them from the start in the Champions League qualifiers. It was more or less the same thing. It was a case of they're not match fit. They need to wait. They need to wait. They need to wait. And we were playing, I think, one of the games, I'm, I'm here, I want to say close, but I may be wrong, but we played McGregor at left back. Yeah. In one of I the games. Yeah. yeah. And, and it seems to be every start a European campaign, we'll buy players in and they're not match fit. It's just, it seems to be a real trend with Celtic over the last maybe three or four years. I don't know, again, I, I don't know what the coaching situation is or, or what, what's going on, but with it being so important, these European games for Celtic, I don't think they can keep going on like that and just saying players are no match fit. They need to be match fit 
for these games. Even as well, if they had just given it, like, say for example, they think Kamala's no fit, right? Play him mm. for like whatever you can get over him 50 minutes, right. five minutes, bring a jetty on, or vice versa. Either or, it seems crazy to me. The other thing as well, we even touched on last week about I think just he's even wasted when he plays out wide. But to mm. then play him in such a big tie as a number nine, as such madness. And from that point of view, I think in terms of Celtics midfield, you don't need Brown, McGregor, Aaron Jam in there. No. I just don't think that combination works particularly well. Um, I, I think that's there's still a, an instinct, I think, to keep Brown in no matter what. Mm. And I, I think I think Neatjam is probably a superior midfielder. I think McGregor has shown that he's consistent enough. And I think there's a kind of... A, a, a bit of a sticking point in terms of Nietzscheam doesn't do it every week but then doesn't get the chance to do it every week and Brown is Brown and he gets to stay in the team no matter what, that's how it seems anyway looking into it, it seems as if Brown can yeah. really get dropped I'm a big Brown fan, I've got a lot of time for Brown and I, I, I like him, I think he's a good captain, that being said there's no denying when the ball comes to him it slows down um, the whole pace of the attack slows down. Um, and I remember parts of last season, I think it was, they trialled um, Incham and McGregor uh, in those positions when Brown was out. Um, and it worked really well, especially in counter-attacking. Um, we were a lot faster on the ball, more creative. Um, the, the problem is, I think, a Celtic, if you take Brown out of there, there's no leaders. And, and that is quite noticeable Aye. with Celtic. If Brown comes out of that team, there's nobody. I mean, the defence as it stands is just a nervous wreck anyway. So Brown needs to try and jolly them up. You take that and you've got nobody in midfield that can, you know, push them on or give them a wee bit of dig. I, I wonder though, we are real in trouble. I wonder if McGregor can do that more, but he falls behind Brown's shadow a wee bit. I, I prefer McGregor as an attacking midfielder. If I'm being honest, I I don't like him as a defensive mid. He can do a great job there. But if you've seen the first goal against Motherwell on Saturday, it's McGregor that picks the ball up and uses a great burst of speed, goes past about two or three players, and then plays the ball out to Forrest. I'm talking um, more about Gene Up, though, Tony. I think he, he could be more of a captain if Brown Oh, sorry, Gene Up. Um, I don't know. I, I've, I've, I've never seen it. I've never really... I'm thinking about them. The only one that used to be quite good was Lustig. Lustig was good um, if, if Brown was in there. Um, the other ones, I'm trying to think. I'm going through the team. I'm thinking the top of my head. I don't know anyone, Tony. No, there is. Yeah. I mean, I think McGregor could be a good captain, but I think he'd be very similar to that kind of Paul McStay captain where he's he does everything in midfield. But he's quite quiet. He's by example. He, do, he yeah. doesn't, yeah. Um, whereas Brown's more of your vocal, the the guy that's going to put that tackle in, you know? And that's where I think you get all these rumours about James McCarthy coming to Celtic because I think people are thinking, well, once Brown goes, there's going to be something, they'll need somebody like that to come in with a wee bit of digging about them. And I think that's why you'll see rumours of that kind of player starting to come up more and more with Celtic. What did you What did you guys make of the the winner, the winning goal? I thought uh, 
Is it Elhamid, the, the right back? Yeah. Of Spot of week. Mm. He's not went in for the ball when it's on the bounce. And then it, I know he's on a yellow card, but he has to just take the player out. You can't let him have a one-on-one. It's European Champions League. You take the player out, you take your yellow card, you get set off, but your team's still in the Champions League. And then people say it's hindsight, but that's the, my first instinct when I've seen, when I've seen it, is you just take him out. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's weird because, like, he's normally a basic but good player. You know what I mean? He's... He's not one of these fans. He's not a frimpong who goes past players left, right, and centre. He he does all the basics, and he normally does them really well. Um, and I I don't know. I think he's just get caught out. Maybe he's thinking about it too much because it's quite a long distance for that ball to come over. So I don't know. In his head, he's thinking about it, and then he's kind of lost the boy a wee bit, and then he's got all over the place. But then he's got a second chance to try and get it, and he's still. He's, he's still not right. A lot of people blaming the goalkeeper. I, uh, no, I, I didn't think he was that bad. I think, yeah. yeah, I think once it's one on one, the the keeper's you know is not to blame. I think as I say, mm. I would have preferred my defender once he knew he wasn't going to get the ball, and there was a time where he, he, you could tell that he was definitely not going to get the ball. But he's still mm. outside the box. He just bring him down. You don't let him get the shot away. Um, that being said, you know they they, they, they took the goal well, and I. I I've had a bit of dealings with people who follow Hungarian football and they kind of think that Scottish fans, Celtic fans especially, have had a dig at them because they were so surprised. And I said to them, it's not that. Celtic, aren't, Celtic fans aren't surprised. They're not having a go at the opposition. They're not saying the opposition was weak. It's Lenin that they're having a go at for team selection and for players not turning up. If Lenin started with a striker and the whole team turned up, and Celtic lost, then you can hold your hands up and say, well, the better team won, and we've tried the hardest. It's when you can look at your team and say, well, that's not the best team. It's not got a balance to it. The players haven't tried. That's where you're having a go at. It's not actually the opposition. Um, but, you know, for Houston, unfortunately, in Scotland, that these kind of games crop up in Europe, unfortunately. I think one thing, though, in spite of as well, see whether they've made a striker or not, they've had... I counted five good chances that they had where they should have, they should have scored. So striker or not, they probably had, they had plenty of chances to win the tie. And I don't think that would have mattered whether it was a striker in the pitch or no. The, chance, well, the, strike, the striker's going to have more chance putting away chances. Potentially, if they felt if they fall into the chances, I but you get what well, Christie had a good effort deflected just past the post. You had the Elnusi volley that was blocked. Probably should have done better. I think there was and Chamboli deflected onto the bar and there was a moment as well late on where Christie gets down to the byline cuts it back and there's no one there yeah, every, every, listen, every game is dependent on luck somewhere down the line and it wasn't obviously it doesn't fall Celtic's way um, but I, they, they didn't set up the team right from the start in the proper fashion and what happened after that just went with, with what that Starting team was. I think that's that. That's where it started and finished for Celtic. Aye, I, I I'd agree with that. I mean, you could look at that starting lineup and also as well the formation. Um, the the four five one formation seems to stifle us a wee bit. I I noticed that um, more so against Motherwell actually this weekend um, that teams are 
kind of a wee bit obvious, kind of a wee bit wise to Celtic, with regards to the fact that the, the, the one man off front, so they just kind of mark that one, that striker who's supposed to be striker, because the wingers or the attacking mids seem to be all at the edge of the box. And I don't know if you notice in the Ferenc Varos game, especially about 25 minutes to go, half an hour to go, the majority of shots were outside the box. In Shamhand, there have been maybe two or three. They tried to take pot shots but outside the box. Um, and, and that seems to be the way. If you can defend really well against Celtic, especially the best 4 5 one that we played the minute, um, you, you could maybe hold out to get a result. Because Motherwell in the first half basically held out to, I think it was the 40th minute before Celtic scored. And that was only because um, O'Donnell, I think it was, ran down the wing and put in a terrible ball. Um, and we got we got and we attacked and they they'd opened up basically. However, when we go to a three five two, there seems to be more freedom and the, the, there's more options for the Celt- for Celtic in attack. So I think people are looking at the four five one formation and it goes to what John was saying about do you need to have to set a mids? You know what I mean? Just kind of waiting for a counter attack. Yeah, I think the formation, I think that formation as well has been out of fast now, but as well, you see more teams playing a multitude of different formations now. But aye, they've not got the personnel at the moment for three five two in terms of centre back. I think that's, you know, if they get Shane Duffy in, that mm. might change. We might bring somebody else. in, depends on what Ayer does. And before we, just before we leave the the Celtic game and go on to better European, a better European night for all teams. Neil Lennon threw his players under the bus, Aye. which was ridiculous. Because even if they aren't there turning up, then you've picked them. So you you said you've known about this for a while. And you say, oh, you can just leave. You're running a PLC. You can't just say, Aye, on you go on your bike. You know, you want to protect the value of those players. So I think, I think, that, I think to be honest, Lennon just had a nightmare from start to finish that, that day. Um, and... I know he tried to track back a wee bit on what he said about the players. And then he, he picked the same team, basically, for Motherwell. So I, I just don't understand the, the whole psyche of what Neil Lennon was trying to do or prove. Um, and it just obviously didn't work out. But he done, Aberd- he, Sorry. There you go. I was, sorry, I was going to say, he'd, he'd, he'd done it before, apparently. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd heard uh, that in 2000, I think it was 11, he'd done it before a St. Johnston game. Um, that he basically said that... Uh, players weren't playing for him and if he if they wanted to um leave the club they could leave. Um so I don't know if in the back of his head he thinks of some sort of motivational speech because I don't know if you noticed by the Friday he seemed to have totally backtracked on it. Um his interviews he he kinda went full circle where he was saying that the players were happy um, everything, I mean, there was a good harmony, and and I just kind of thought maybe he he thought he would do it for the players, but because the seriousness of us getting put out the sort of the Champions League, it's kind of went a wee bit further than he thought it might, and now he's having to backtrack. And if the board so, are getting, if the board are getting messages from Nietzsche's agent or Ayers agent or oh, Edward's yeah. agent, then they're probably saying to him as well, listen, you, need, you can't say that. Mm. We're either what top dollar for these players or we don't want to sell them in this summer. So it was just, it was ridiculous. At least they got one bit of good news in terms of the day after. They announced the signing of Turnbull final. 
But mm. don't like to maybe talk about Celtic too much. However, where does he fit into that team? Don't know. Do not know. I, I was thinking this, who they would drop. Um, he's not going to drop Eloise. He's not going to drop Forrest. Um, Christie's obviously a favourite. So I, I, I think he's just giving us up. Unless um, he's thinking of when Eloise goes back after his loan and then Turnbull will come in then. But... Nice decision to have, though. Like in ah. you, you want as much quality as possible, but that would be the thing. I wonder where he'll fit in. I think he, he, does he, like, will. He, he does like a midfielder, Lennon. You know, that's his go-to in a, in a time of crisis by a midfielder. Yeah. Right. I think I think he will, again, seems to be the Lennon's way, probably let him feel his way into the, the club before he starts. So, but I think by the end of the season, he's going to start. And whether that means Nietzsche will be away or Christie, I think there's talk about Christie not signing a contract, mm. whether or not one of those players is departs before the end of this window or, or the next, or even out of the team by the end of the season, I think Turnbull will get in some, somewhere before the end of the season, he'll be a starter, I think. Yeah. Um, so you, you mentioned, obviously, Scott, good results for the uh, Scottish teams. Motherwell, I didn't see much coverage of the game. Uh, I was watching the Aberdeen game on Thursday. I don't know if either of you guys saw anything apart from the goals. Very few bits and pieces. I kind of caught, looked more on Twitter and how, how the, the two teams were doing in that sense. Um, Motherwell clearly, unlike domestically, could find it the net. And I think scoring gave them a boost. Uh, but look at Kilmarnock last season. Look at how they get dumped out. A win's a win uh, for any Scottish team in Europe, as far as I'm concerned this season. But I'm glad that they did it comprehensively. And I think, I think it, it, it gave Motherwell more hope for the, the immediate se- season ahead. A um, couple of goals for the strikers and everything else. Um, they were just unfortunate who they came up against next in the, the, the league because they couldn't really continue that uh, form. Um, but that's what you can only ask for a, a good win like that in your first game in, in Europe for the campaign. Yeah, they switched to three five two. I know that much, which certainly helped them out in terms of getting goals. And I know they repeated that on Sunday, but they get no joy against Celtic. But uh, good I think it's good for Scottish football. Wouldn't it would be nice as well to see the other teams, you know, like Motherwell, Aberdeen, or what have you, in the Europa League. It'd, it'd be such a boost uh, and something to get the fans excited for to watch, you know, because I think there is nothing worse at, at, at these rounds. These rounds are horrendous being a fan when you're pitted against like, teams from Northern Ireland or countries that you think you should be better than, um, you know, and there's no co- there's hardly any coverage, of, I mean, in the main media about it until you get into the big leagues itself. So aye. Aye, hopefully Motherwell will go on further, you know. Potentially, though, a tough draw. That's not against Coleraine because he beat Maribor, which a few Scottish teams have struggled to beat in recent times. Mm-hmm. And they need to go there as well because all the Scottish teams got away ties. It'll be a tasty one, though. I think the fact that they beat Maribor should hopefully be more incentive for Motherwell in terms of, oh, well, they've actually taken a scalp, so we need to be on our toes. 
Um, I think it'll be a really good game, actually. I think uh, probably a close one, and hopefully Motherwell will sneak it. And then if they do advance, there's a new team. You know how sometimes in Europe you get teams that you've never heard of before? I need to be honest, I've never heard of KF Larky. If either of you had, then we are played to you. No. Uh, but obviously, Happel, Beers, Fever, Scottish fans are a bit more familiar with. Mm. So, who, who was the first team again? KF Larky. So, where are they from? Albania. Oh, Al- Albanian Cup winners? That's right, uh, yeah. So, I'll look at um, earlier. So. It's. Yeah, it's probably going to be Beersheva, but even then, whoever it's going to be, it's, it'll be luck of the night, I think, in terms of how, how, how that progresses if Mother will go through. Um, is that a two-legged or is that still just a one-leg? Still a one-leg. It's not like all qualifiers are one-leg, aren't they? Still a playoff in the playoff. Is it playoff? Two-leg. Uh, I know certainly for Champions League it's two-legs. I would imagine the Europa League's following suit with the playoff or two, the legs as well. We shall see. So, the Aberdeen Runovic game, the first thing we need to mention is how many sponsors did Runovic have in their kit? <laughs> <laughs> this could be a thing for Scottish football. We should maybe follow um, up on that. Uh, you know, they do that a lot in rugby league. If you ever watch, especially the Australian rugby league, it's just covered in sponsors. Yeah. Uh, um, all over, but oh, do you know what? Aber- Aberdeen looked far superior, just like two steps above that team. Um, everything about Aberdeen was so much better. I, yeah. I, and I think, do you know what? That's probably given Aberdeen a lot of confidence. That that six nil victory. I think the game came at the right time because obviously we'd had the two wins domestically, which were not comfortable wins at all, and maybe the football was getting criticised a wee bit. We've seen a wee bit of. A better style with the living game, second half. However, this game, just I. Once we get the goal, I felt we were very comfortable. I thought we were pretty comfortable, even before scoring anyway. Um, McCrory, again, is just superb. Like, in defence, he's stepping into midfield, running up the park. Looks a great signing. How, how we managed to get him for the rumoured price, I don't know. I don't know, but it's all good for us. I'd imagine, I'd imagine there's a there's a good knock on price if you sell them. Uh, that's the that's the only reason Aye. I can see. Uh, but I think I think by the end of the season, he should be really knocking the door, if not knocking the door down for Scotland. I don't see any reason why, considering our kind of defensive issues, why he can't come in. Maybe not for centre mid, but as a if we start playing with three at the back or something, he would be definitely in that kind of category for me. I think, as I said, as I said last week, it helped Aberdeen greatly that they had league first, then Europe, and I think that that's you know that's sometimes been teams like Aberdeen's problem in Europe is that they've had that first before the league, and they've just not been ready for that kind of style, not been match fit, not been kind of on their toes, and I think having those kind of tricky, but the games that they won in the league just gave them the confidence just to show who they were at that tie, and it, it really showed. And I said, "How does Hedges, you know, not start?" You know, he, he, from what I've seen of him this season before that game, 
he should have. I, th I thought he should be in this team, and then he, he came off the bench, scored a hat trick, and then did well again in the weekend. It's a player I like. I've liked him since he signed. Basically, I always think he's positive. He wants to take on his man. He's he's willing to take on folk and maybe lose the ball now and again. But in the final third, I think that's all right. Um, and he's he's forced his way into the team. How and Scott right the two of them. I think if he did at the start of the season at most fans, you wouldn't have expected either to be in the team. Scott right again and Hedges combining well. Um, Hedges comes on, scores a hat trick, which is good. And other things as well. Watkins again, just adds a different dimension to our attack. I know having to go route one, we're able to play through the midfield. We've actually got midfield, which is nice. Um, we knew we had a midfield, but the ball was just going constantly to Cosgrove. McGee came in as well, I thought it looked good. So we've got good competition for places in there. I know I said last week we've maybe got too big a squad. Um, still maybe stand by that, but it worked out well there. Um, interesting fact that was the first European game since Shea Logan signed that he didn't feature them. So. Mm. Um, there was a cracking goal from Hayes. Cracking goal from Hayes, and then there was a mm. cracking goal from Hedges as well. Hayes won. Hedges it, definitely. Um, He's got form for that, that type of strike from outside yeah. the box. Which we'll maybe mention later on, actually, when we talk about Rangers in a weird way. But, <laughs> aye, comfortable win. Through the sport, is, is Sporting in the next round? No, we've got Viking, first of all. From oh, Dortmund, Viking, sorry. Uh, which is an away tie, and I think out of the three ties that were is, possible, is I would say the, the first one. Is that the Arold Stavrum Tarpe? Well... Could be. Uh, is that uh, where he came from? They're struggling, but they're tenth in the league, so we should be favourites, even though it's away. Um, however, you know what it's like. An away tie can be tricky, and they are. They played a few more games, obviously. That would be up to mm. a bit more. But yeah, if we get by that tie, um, Sporting, which I'm trying to call the ties with hards. The only one I think would be as tricky as that would be when we played Real Sociedad for a few years back. They were a really good side. Um, sporting, only two years ago in the quarterfinals of Europa League. You know the history in terms of them for young players coming through as well. So, aye, be a right tough day if we can get through these two rounds. Be the only thing I'll say about, the about Sporting is they're sometimes a bit susceptible to being a wee bit by getting a yo-yo way. Get a club, mm. especially at the start of a season, they can maybe take a wee bit of time. So you may find that you know you can maybe give them a game. Um, but well, I've only played one game competitively before we play them, so that could maybe that could be a big bonus. Uh, is is a young lad? Is a young lad still there? Gold? No, Ryan no, Gould, no is it, is is it Farines, yeah, he won the Player of the Year in the second division. I think they get promoted, didn't they? Yeah. Um, so I be tough, but it might, it might be a type of game that suits us because you would think we ain't been if, well, this is if we get through and that's so. But if we are to get through, sporting is a home team and they come at us, and I think we suit more playing in the game with that. So, oh, so, oh, sporting was a couple of years ago. They were like in big financial crisis. Um, the chairman at the time had like a lot of money was like spent and what have you and. They, they couldn't afford to pay their players and all this kind of yeah. thing. And at one point, they were looking like they were going to be relegated for the league and what have you. So, well, they, um, they lost a few players to that just because of their contract was reneged on. So, like, uh, Patricio went to, to Bulls for yeah. a minimal oh, yeah. fee. or I think it was free at the start, but I think they, they agreed a fee. 
at, uh, at the end up. So, uh, but it, as John says, they've got a good academy. They've always seemed to have a good academy that brings mm. these players through. So it, it, it just again, it's one of those ties. I think just depends on. I think Scotland have to be the favourite, so it just depends how. I wouldn't would be worried on. though. I, I, I think you know, I wouldn't be worried. I think you can have a go, and I think yeah. you know if you've got Ferguson, McCrory in midfield, uh, you know, I think you can, you can really have a go at them and see where you come out at the end of it. One off tie as well, you never know, but yeah, they get to be Viking first. Um, the other, we should go back to Celtic actually in terms of who they got in the third round. Uh, Riga, who we were just called Riga, uh, and what was it, Tiero Fiore or something yeah. like that? Yeah. San Marino team or something like that? Was Aye. Yeah. So, um, you'd imagine Riga would win that, surely. You would think. Yes. I believe they had some quite good results last season as well mm. in Europe. So. They're not anything to do with the old Sconto Riga, are they? Or is this like a brand new team? Or? <laughs> not sure. I think Riga is one of those places that's got quite a few teams. Yeah. Um, so, aye. But... It's good bringing them up, though, John. Uh, no, but the only reason <laughs> why I say that is because... You'll be bad. No, but if, if you remember that team, the best Celtic, um, Bratislava, I mean, they're not around anymore. I think they've amalgamated into something else and obviously the old style of Bucharest are called something else nowadays so a lot of the old eastern teams who maybe 10 years ago would have been called something else they're all yeah. called different so I was just wondering if it was like the, the same outfit and then Rangers face Lincoln Red Imps in the second round and then if they get through they could face their nemesis from a few seasons back Progress or Villem to you would think it would be the, the Dutch team. Yeah. But I just don't know. Yeah. Um, Rangers have got a decent record against Dutch team Dutch teams if that's the way it ends up. Um Gerard's obviously very well equipped um for Europe with his squad. But again it's Scotch football so there's banana skins all over the place. We know Red Imps can produce something away from home um, miraculously and the same goes for progress as well so it's you know I keep on saying this but luck plays its part for Scottish teams there's no doubt about it I think confidence plays a big part in it as well and I think I'd like to hope that all the Scottish teams can at least give it their best and just stamp a wee bit of authority don't be sitting back too much don't be looking at the opponents and giving them the incentive. Um, I know Willem Tway have got a good striker and the right winger's got a lot of pace, but Rangers should be thinking of going forward and attacking them if it, if it, that's who, you know, it ends up being between. Um, but, yeah, you've got to take off. You've got to take away your first opponent first, uh, and that's Red Imps. You'd like to think Rangers have got nothing to... To, to really seriously worry them there, as long as they play their own game. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree with that. I think they'll, they'll get past Red Dams quite easily. I mean, they played on that ground before, and they played that, um, was it St. Julian's or something like that they were called? I can't remember now. St. Joseph's, was it? St. Joseph's, actually, yeah. You know, so, so they've played on that ground before. They know what it's like. Um, I, I agree. I, th- I think it's going to be Willem too that they'll get it. 
them in the next round. I think that they'll beat um, Progressive. But the only thing that would probably concern me a wee bit about Rangers um, is Gerard seems to like um, Taverni bombing up and down that wing. Um, and I know a lot of Rangers fans seem to always, when you hear them in the forums or the papers, Taverni seems to always get the criticism for being caught out of position. I think, especially if it's away from home in this willing to, then they'll need to make sure that they're quite solid. Not I mean, attack when you have to attack, but make sure you've got like a solid formation. Because I think Scottish teams sometimes have this approach of, we'll just go out there and we'll sweep them aside and then you can get caught out. So as long as they're sensible and clued up, and don't do anything daft, then I think Rangers will get every opportunity uh, be beating them and going through. Especially when you look at how well Rangers did last season in Europe and mm. in the previous season as well. So we shall move on to the weekend arch and the game I want to get out the road because it, it didn't really come up too much with the Levy Ross County game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the reaction from both of you. Yeah, the highlight of that game was Stuart Kettle at the end, um, going absolutely radio rental with the referee. Um, Do we think he was right about the penalty? I could see his point of view in, in the, the cold light of day. You would look back at it and then say, maybe not. I, I could see where he was coming from at the time. But probably when he's looked back at it, say the, the next day, he's probably thought mm, maybe they're, they're not the same. Nothing stood out for me, so that makes me think that it wasn't. You know, I mean, if something stands out, you, you remember and you think, yeah, that's definitely a, a penalty, or at least you can see what. And, and nothing really, but then the whole game, nothing really stood out too much. Um, so I, I would have said, I would have been a, a, that annoyed uh, by not getting the penalties. I think. But at the end of the game, you're, you're more annoyed because you've not done your job. And I think Ross County should have probably got a draw out of it. Um, I think, you know, try to look back at my notes. Um, there's just not a lot of notes here. It was a good goal. Uh, the Livingston goal was good. Serrano, it was a nice short corner. Serrano, first time we've seen him from Monaco, it was a, a lovely ball across in Guffrey. Um, got in between kind of two defenders. De- you know, he... The person who wanted the ball most got the ball and headed in the goal. Um, for a Scotland point of view, McCrory kept a clean, kept a clean sheet. Um, I think you know Levy did get a bit more into the game um, as, it, as it wore on. Yeah, and Ross County struggled to get the ball. Uh, that was quite a bit, really. Yeah, you know when it's last on sports scene that it's not going to be particularly great. Um, I know. But the big thing is from Levy point of view, as you mentioned, the clean sheet, which is important and it's our first one of the season. Yeah. And now on the flip side, Ross County had a good start to the season. Mm. They are struggling a wee bit, so maybe the predictions at the start of the season where people were saying they're gonna be in the relegation battle will will stand. Um and I think Kettle will probably looking back will maybe maybe agree what he said. However, what he did say, and this is something we've spoken about for years in the podcast, we've been talking about for years in Scottish football. There's some referees you can talk to and ask what decision, there's others you can't. 
Uh, he seemed to suggest that John Beaton was like very dismissive of him. In case of go away, I'm not telling you. So. What I would say about that is I was looking in the SPFL website actually, and one of the things that they were bringing up in the stats, I think they've committed the most fills, nearly, I think it was like 85, 86 fills so far this season, and they were like a good 10, 15 ahead of the next team, which I think, I think it was Dundee United, but I know Ross County were top, and they've also got the most bookings as well, so obviously they are going to be quite a physical team, so I think when you're going to play like that, you're going to have to expect to give penalties and what have you, or you need to try and not be as physical. Um, and the boy, it was a Tremarco that got sent off as well, yeah. two yellows, yeah. Um, so, I mean, that kind of plays into that as well. So they just need to be careful that they're not going down this road where they're just a physical team now and there's nothing else about them and they're flatlining. So and that red, that red card, Tony just proves what you were saying about how many fouls they're giving away because it was consistent, it was persistent foul, two needless kind of stupid fouls and that's what get, gets a, gets a guy set off and then that puts you in the back foot because you're now a man down so mm. yeah that, they, they have to maybe watch that it's already kind of trying to stop other teams playing and you know try to spoil things but if you're persistently foul and then you're getting people booked then it's going to ultimately lead to a red card or two, and then that puts you in the back foot. I think if you get a player like that, you need to have a striker that's in form. I mean, if you look at, like, um, Aleko Madrid, for example, you always think, well, they could probably sneak a goal because of the quality they've got up front, you know? Whereas, oh, Ross County, I mean, I think probably, your boy Mackay's probably the main one, and I think they subbed him after, like, 54 minutes or something, or they took him off, I think. Um... So they just they just need to be careful. I feel like they, they don't get suckered into that, where they're just a physical team and they're just trying to hold out for draws and, you know. Aye, the risk you take when you play that way is that you do lose the games 1-0 here and there. You may be solid defensively, but it's not good. No use trying to play for just a point. Especially in games like that, I think you look at games... I know Olivia got a good home record over the last couple of seasons, but still... Teams like that, you're willing to try and maybe take points off, be a bit more positive against. Mm. Uh, the other game that finished one 0 was the Saints derby. One 0 I think St Johnson deserved to win by a few more. They they looked really impressive, especially first half. That was their uh, best performance under Cam Davidson, I think. Uh, Hendry's a handful. I think if he can start scoring goals, they've got a real player in their hands there. Uh, I think Craig Conway. That's Shows why they brought him in. I think it was assured. Um, always kind of looking to create something going forward. Um, I said last week, Danny McNamara was a really good player. He's proved that again. A man of match performance. Always eager to go down that line, get a shot away or get a cross in or cut back. Um, so yeah, I, I think you know. When you see the opposition manager after the game saying, listen, the right team won, then you know that it's probably more than 1-0 is probably deserved in that game. I agree again. I mean, um, Man and Amara seem to be like involved. I mean, obviously, just watching it for the highlights in sports team, but every highlight seemed to be Magnamara. He was, he was playing brownly. Um 
it's good as well to have Stevie May scoring. I think him to get a goal hopefully gives him that kind of boost. Yep. Um, that he really needs because you had a you know yourself you had a terrible time up at Aberdeen, um, struggling for form, and hopefully he's back there and the surrounding. He knows he knows the club inside out. Um, so hopefully he'll start putting goals in for them, and that could be really good for them because if they have like a, a main focal point who can score goals, and they can, you know, and they've got like a good player Magnamara in the wing back, and also Bryson's there as well. You know, I mean, I think a lot of people forget about him. Um, Bryson is it? Is, is no. that me being wrong? Davidson. Oh. Davidson. Davidson. No, is, is it who was it that set up the goal? Oh, Conway. Cut inside. Conway, that's Conway, a sorry. Yeah, that's yeah. I'm getting mixed up with. Sorry. Aye, Conway, that's what I meant. <laughs> um, and a lot of people do forget about him because he, he, had, he was doing well previously, you know. Um, I, I think St. Johnston could, could be a, a good wee team this year if, if they can get the results going. I think as well, when Davidson took over, he said initially it wasn't going to change things too much. However, formation wise and personnel, there has been changes. I'm more positive. They're playing the 3 4 3. Uh, which is kind of serving them well man of matter as we mentioned, you mentioned last week's squad and we've all been impressed by defensively and looking a bit more solid again a bit like a traditionally what St Johnson are like defensively Stevie May scoring he was doing well before lockdown him and uh, Callum Hendry mm. so good things going on there and then you've got O'Halloran at his pace which can hurt teams and they've still got Davidson, Murray Davidson come back into the midfield the managerial change has probably worked off, worked out really well for St Johnston in the terms of they probably did get a wee bit stale towards the end of Tommy Wright. People kind of worked them out a bit. So Callum Davis are coming in, changing a few of the key personnel and the tactics and how that they're set out to play is kind of caught teams on off the on the back foot a wee bit, especially in the last couple of games. So I think you know. The managerial change probably came at the right time, although Tommy Wright is a fantastic manager and I'm sure he'll prove that again whatever job he gets next. I think it just it was just the right time for St Johnston. Yeah, it's not even as if there's been much change in terms of personnel. You've got Martin and Martin and Conway, apart from that, it's the same as what it was last season. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I've mean, got a good, good team. I mean, I think that, from what I remember seeing, they played a kind of 3-4 Two, one, I think it was. It was like two midfielders, two attacking midfielders behind the striker kind of thing. And um, I'm just going to look now quickly. That I mean, striker wise, yeah, you say you've got you can play Conway up there, or Harlan up there, Hendry up there. I mean, and Stevie May. I mean, I mean, Stevie May only came on in the 67th minute, you know, and he, he, he scored. So I mean, it's, it's it's great options he's got. I think the hope must be for Stevie May that that goal. Gives him confidence to kick on his season and just get a few goals. You know, you don't want for a striker, you don't want to score one and then miss three uh, games and not scoring. So if if you could just get maybe a wee run together, then that could just really boost him and St Johnston's season in that aspect. Yeah, I think he'd not featured though much this season because he had an injury pre-season. So yeah, that's why he's taking a bit of time to get off the mark last season. Um, the other game it's three o'clock. I don't think anyone's seen it coming in terms of scoreline anyway. Come on at four, Dundee United now. Anyone have that in their cupid anywhere? Uh-huh. Uh, I certainly didn't see that coming. That's my curse again for saying how, dil- how diligent and how good uh, Dundee United have been this season. And then they went in the complete opposite direction. 
uh, in that game. Um, and fair play to, to Kubalik as well. The, the positives for them is that they were really slick and they turned out a performance that probably just before the international break that they really needed. Yeah, the Brexit was playing too up front. Yeah. As well. And they I'd, both liked up well. I'd, I'd be a wee bit worried about Dundee United. Um, I, I said, I seen them against, I watched the Celtic game against them and I thought they were great. Um, they were okay, good defensively. Um, and I think the Kamara game's kind of shown when the defence isn't having a good day, they kind of collapse a wee bit. I mean, you, you look at the goals that they lost. Um, I think it was the third one, particularly, uh, with Kabamba scored, um, where the United States half scored the ball. And he's kind of got his foot stuck in the astroturf, and he's just went down, and Kabamba's gone straight through um, and, and scored. Oh, I recall um, uh, um, and they seem to be like that from the highlights they seem to be sixes and sevens all the time they didn't quite know they couldn't deal with Abu Kabamba they could not deal with him um, and it, the last goal as well the last goal came from Dundee United attacking um, Kamara got picked the ball up and then done a counter attack and done great great passing Pro, goal, so far goal this season without a shadow of a doubt um, and is it the boy McKenzie, who is it? That yeah. Chipped it up, yeah. Uh, fantastic, oh, absolutely fantastic. Um, I, just, I just think they'll, they'll, they'll need to get the defence sorted quite soon, and I'd be a wee bit worried about Dundee United at the minute. It's, a, uh, it's interesting, though, because the game itself, or the highlights that we've seen, seem to suggest it was all Kilmarnock. Mm. That, that's all you can seem to see. I don't have actually anything in terms of seeing, thinking back to any Dundee United chances I've seen. However, Mickey Mellon after the match was still speaking positively about the performance. He actually created more chances in Kilmarnock. So I think I think it's just one of those games that's bad day at the office. Because apart from that, Dundee United have been pretty resolute. If they have been losing, it's just been by the goal. Um, I, think, I think for Dundee United, Mickey Mellon will do that. I think he knows he's got a young squad. He's, he kept he's kept on mentioning how young his squad is, so he's not going to kick them in the balls after that. I think... After, after conceding the second, going into that stage at halftime, they then lost it in the second half completely. They were totally disorganised at the back. The goals, for all the, the, the last goal was fantastic from Kamala's point of view, well taken and well set up. The defence just went missing. They just went... You saw players just walking away. You saw players falling over. You saw it just wasn't mm. what you saw against Celtic or even the previous games for Dundee United. Um, and you know, I think uh, Nicky Kabab is it Kababa? I'm not pronouncing it. I love the song uh, La Bamba. Yeah, Bamba. <laughs> that's what I was about. <laughs> that's what I was getting in my head. Um, <laughs> it, you know, has took both his goals really well and. He seems to have picked up now. You know, sometimes players need those six months. That's why it's good to get a player uh, sometimes in January. They, they could take a bit of time, get into the kind of culture of the club and all the rest of it, and how the team plays. Um, and it, it, was a, it was a handful throughout. Definitely was a, was impressed with him and Brophy up top. You get um, Kilty there then to kind of pull from strings. I think it's even better for Kilmarnock we talk about this performance and you don't really mention Buck considering how mm-hmm. instrumental he was at the start of the season 
Um, so I think, you know, and Mackenzie's goal was absolutely fantastic. You know, it's Messi-esque, um, lovely wee golf chip into the kind of, the, you're chipping it towards the pin, keeper had absolutely no chance. Um, and it's a huge win for them to get that just before the international break as well. Just to kind of, I think that'll calm a lot of people's nerves at Rugby Park. Aye, they needed that one more than what Dundee United did. And to do it, to do it in that fashion, just I think is good to spur them on. Yeah, I was really impressed by Kilmarnock. I thought, I thought they played really, really good football actually. Um, and I think it's something that they don't get credit for Kilmarnock. I think a lot of people see Kilmarnock as this defensive-minded outfit that just kind of hits you in the counter-attack. But they showed on Saturday that basically, when they can and when they're able to as good as anyone else in the league I think to be honest with you on the attack and they looked just really really good I was really yeah. impressed by them I think okay. it, I think when Dyer initially took over I think he wanted to kind of keep mm. things back to what they were like under Stevie Clark because it was Alessio came in trying to be more positive and it didn't really work out however you can definitely see a shift and change in terms of them trying to be more possession based and create more chances and they've signed Malumbu back as well um, mm. that's a good sign to think is it power that's out injured or yep. one of the two I can't yeah, uh, was, was it power so aye I, I still don't know what, what I expect to come on through this season though I, I don't I don't expect they'll be top six they, they might move it on uh, but I think they'll be prob- on the yeah I was going to say the problem was seventh or eighth that, that mid-table kind of thing you know yeah probably yeah, top half of the, the, the bottom section I would suggest um, so the other game on Saturday was Rangers and Hamilton. So was it six clean sheets? Yeah, six clean to, sheets. Looking to break Celtic's record from 1906 in terms of from the start of the season. However, obviously there's Celtic's record. Was it? I checked earlier. I, mean, I remember it because Johnny Hayes, as I was saying, I was scoring a goal. He was the one that broke Fraser Foster's record when he was it 13 oh, yeah. games. Mm, he went yeah. without conceding. So... They have a long way to go to beat that, but certainly at the start of the season, Rangers defensively have been resolute, solid, not even giving that many chances away as well. You know, you, you know what reminded me of Rangers? Reminded me of Rogers' first season, and I'll, I'll, I'll say why. When I watched the highlights, um, when Rogers first came to Celtic, we were playing the 4 5 1. Rangers are playing with Celtic, are still playing, and they pushed up. Um, in att- when, when attacking, the midfielders all pushed up. When the opposition defence had, they all pushed up. And the amount of times um, on that Saturday against Hamilton, they, they were like going for it, pushing pushing the Hamilton defence right up. You had Hadji, you had Roof, um, Kent, and Barker. Um, they, at one point, they were always going in the box. Whenever crosses were coming in uh, for the left or the right, they were there or thereabouts. And if you look at the goals, you'll see that actually there's more Rangers players than Hamilton players in the box. Now, as I said, when under Rodgers with Celtic, that's what we were doing constantly. And it was causing problems for the opposition. Um, and I think that's a really good sign. If you can see that happening, and you can see that your team's listening to what you're saying, and 
they're getting in the box because you're going to get chances. And Rangers really should have won about four or five nil. To be honest, they had a lot of good chances um, to finish Hamilton off. So I was quite impressed with Rangers. To be fair, I think Rangers never got out of second gear. They were two 0 up after twenty minutes. I think Roof still take taking a bit of time to to get fully match match sharp. Plus, I think people around him need to kind of work out his runs and how he's how he's going to integrate into the team. I think Gerard's probably wanting a strike a central striker that's playing a wee bit deeper. Um, I think if Morelos of old was in that starting lineup, I think it may have been a, a couple more goals in that aspect. But I think Gerard seems to be wanting his strikers to be play a bit deeper and given. The, the players like Hadji and Kent and that a, a bit of space to run in behind. Kent is another fantastic performance. Those two whipped balls created havoc that created the two goals. Um, the one plus side for for, for Halton, and it's a good plus side, is the, the lot of youngsters. You know, was it four teenagers? I think at one stage. Mm. They never let the heads go down. Even two, when we two 0 down, it could have easily just went. Listen, that's it. We're done. Even when they got the guy sent off, and again, it's the same thing as the Ross County thing. It's two stupid yellow card, definite yellow cards. But you know, you, you kind of, what you can see why he's done it. But you kind of think, well, you, you certainly the second one didn't really need to go in for a challenge, but they didn't just fall apart, and that would be a good sign for uh, for for Brian. It's just to to see that his team. Just kept going and just kept at their job. And yes, Rangers picked away at them a few times and probably should have scored a few more goals. But it's credit to them that they didn't just hand the goals to Rangers. Yeah, I think the main things in the game will be Hadji needed a goal or needed something to lift his confidence because he wasn't looking that great so far this season. That would be big for him. Just unfortunate for him. You've got the international break now. Um, and Kent is the player of the season so far for me in the league. Never mind that Rangers. He just he looks like he's taking. The onus upon him to be I'm the man. Manelis is the playing. I'm the key man for Rangers. I need to step up. Uh, I think I think that's Gerald told him that. I, th- I honestly think that that's what's happened. I think Gerald's told Kent, listen, this season you're my main man. If we're going to win this league title, I need you to be the superstar. And I think that he's he's got into his head to say, listen, I've got all the trust in you. You're the best player in this league. Now go and show me. And I think that that's Kent's taking that on board. And I think. Whether or not it's true is, is another matter, but I think that's what Gerard's told him, and that's what he believes, and that's what's coming across. Yeah. I think he's he's always thinking he's going to bust forward, he's going to cut in, or he's going to take them down, down the way. He's going to create chances, he's going to have shots, um, and it's you know the combination between him and Barisic is just taking teams apart this season. Playing devil's advocate, do you think Kent? is also thinking, well, Leeds have already shown an interest in me. If I can have one good, if I have a good season this year, being the main man, I can maybe get a move to another Premiership team. You've no listened back to the podcast from last week. <laughs> no, I never actually. <laughs> we touched on it a wee bit last, last week, didn't we? Yeah. So varying opinions. Very, very quickly, my opinion on that is there's nothing wrong in that. If he has a standout season and Rangers benefit with trophies and then uh, a bigger deal at the end of it and he goes to the Premier League, 
it's one win-win for everybody. Mm. It's a win for him. It's a win for whoever buys him. And it's a win for Rangers. I, I don't think he's interested in the move just now. And that's the main thing for Rangers. So I, I, I don't see any, any issue if he was to have a standout season this season and leave for a, a good price next summer. I don't mm. see any downside. Yeah, and my only thinking was the only reason he might be interested in a move at the moment would be if he wants to force his way into the England cell because we know what it's like England managers don't tend to pick players up at the top. And, uh, and, and also, I think he'll want to build on what he's doing just now. Uh, mm. He's a main man, enjoying that, and then you see what happens in the future. I think the link up with Gerard is a key key link up as well. I think maybe it was a different manager, but I think. With Gerard, I think he thinks, right, that's fine. And listen, for him to get into the England team at this stage, playing anywhere is going to be so difficult when you look at the players he's mm-hmm. up against. So I think he's he's ready to take his time and just settle in one club. You know, this is what happens when you go so many player teams on loan. I think he's happy to be the main player at one team. That's his parent team. And he's got a wee bit of a, a future to look forward to. Uh, we touched on the Celtic game a wee bit earlier. Tony, you kind of mentioned that he didn't make any changes, did he? No, exactly the same team. Um, which, again, pre-match baffled me, uh, as Lennon seems to be doing in the last couple of weeks. Um, how would have put Fring Palm in for the, for the beginning? Um, he came on um, against Ferenc Varis and actually created stuff and, again, done the same um, in the Motherwell game. Uh, I'd have had Kamala start for the start, but um, no, it was either Lennon wanted to say, "Listen, this is a team I, I played uh, on the Wednesday night, and we would have won if they basically listened to my instructions," or it was Lennon being stubborn and kind of. Sticking I think up. he wants a reaction, doesn't he? He wants a reaction. That's it, players. Right. It's weird. It's weird with Lennon because sometimes I've got I I've got a lot of time for Lennon um, as a player and as someone at Celtic. Would I've had him as manager? Probably not. No, not the second time around. Um, I will hope he does fantastic, but I do worry with Lennon just because, unlike some folk, I I remember how bad we were in his first period of times during games and he is prone to doing stuff like this, this kind of stubbornness uh, or this kind of, well, I know what I'm doing, the rest of you don't um, and for 40 minutes, I, I watched the game for 40 minutes do you know, I, th- I think we, we had one shot and goal for the first five minutes, Motherwell was really solid compact, knew how to play us and as I said previously, if it had not, not been for the their breakdown on the right-hand side where um, we picked the ball up, then it would quite easily be now now a half-time. Um, and it wasn't until we went to like a 3-5-2, put Clamal on, that we started opening Motherwell up. See, that's the thing, right? Neil Lennon picked that team and would set out that, that team to prove a point. Don't know what the point really was, other than he knows best that his that these that Clamala wasn't fit enough, uh, Ajeti wasn't fit enough, um, and this team's capable. And for the majority of the first half, they were 
same problems that they had uh, in the European tie. Mm-hmm. The, the three goals in total, Motherwell's defence was hopeless for all three of them, really. They, mm-hmm. they, they, could, they, could, they conceded the ball. The Forrest, you know, was a fantastic strike from Forrest. He switches, put it onto his left and hits the, the top corner. But the defender didn't close him down. Didn't he? The defender showed him towards goal rather than away from goal. And when you've got a shot clear on goal, there's no chance you're going to score unless the defender steps in front of you. So I just think that that was Lennon's just a, a wee bit of kind of his personality that, as you say, it's a kind of, I'm the boss here and this is what's happening. And I think the thing about Lennon that would worry me if I was a Celtic fan is what happened at Bolton and what happened at Hibs. I could Celtic looking on Tether Row, afford the dressing room just to give up on their manager and just to, or worse still, fall out with their manager. Ah, it's, hell. Especially it, the rumours of how his time at Hibs ended. Yeah, so, mm. it, it, and, you know, you're already kind of seeing certain aspects where he's calling out players in Europe, big, after big European ties. And it, I just, you know, I, I said the same thing about uh, Robinson. Um at Motherwell, you know, he did it um, and then picked the same team as well, kind of after a defeat earlier on in the season and got nothing out of it. I thought, you know, who knew that Celtic would play better with two, two up front, apart from every single Celtic fan? Yeah. Apart from, you know, they, they all called for it. And then when they did do that, they were a much better team. They, 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 they proved that they were asking more questions of uh, Motherwell, who, again, defensively, the second half just went missing, um, you know, for for Ajeti's goal, which was great play um, from Ayer coming up from the back, and he's he's found, he's got the vision to to find that pass, but nobody was on Ajeti. That's the the main goal scoring threat. There was nobody there, and then Julian just ran up the whole length of the field, and nobody was willing to kind of pressurise him. I'm still very concerned for Motherwell because not only are they not scoring any goals um, in the league from their forward areas and Robinson keeps on changing it, keeps on trying to find the solution. They're now playing pretty poor at the back as well. They've not been convincing at the back. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I wasn't expecting much from Motherwell um, just because of the form of the, the Taken into the game, and then he lost uh, their best player great. to Celtic. Yeah, true. So I wasn't really expecting anything great. I thought we might win, but one one or two now to be honest with you. So I wasn't really that surprised. Uh, on on a Celtic positive side, I thought Ayeti looked great when he came on. I thought that his first touch for the goal, and then the way he just hit it in without even panicking or worrying about where the ball was, whereas you could tell with Klamala, Klamala had probably too much time when he was winning one with the goalkeeper and he panicked. And even the one that he missed in the goal line, I, I can give him a, a wee bit of slack in the sense that when the ball gets crossed over, he's probably thinking it's not going to go past the first defender who's got your blocker. And then just he's about to hit it, another defender comes in. Ah, he should have scored, but I can give him a wee bit of slack um, for the that. The thing is, for, for, but, for, that, for that particular chance, 
it's coming at pace and it's gone past ah. two defenders. And that's always yeah. it's always the hardest thing for a forward to kind of preempt that at what speed it's coming at and who you know is going to actually evade two defenders. Um, I've been in that position many a time myself and missed most of them. Uh, <laughs> the one on the one on one, um, it's just confidence. It's not because ah. he's not sharp. It's confidence. He's he's probably thinking in his head, and you know I, I'm totally making this up, so he might not have been. But he's thinking, I need to prove myself here. I've not been starting, and I need to score this goal to show that I'm worthy of starting. And that's not the kind of headspace that you want to be in in a chance like that. And I do feel as though that that's been created by not selecting him. And you know, I'm not saying that he would have scored and Celtic would have won um, in midweek. But you know, it has to impact on your confidence if you're you're mm-hmm. told either, you know, because people like John Hartson were saying that Lennon just didn't trust him and didn't think he was good enough yet. So if that's true for his former teammates and he reads Kamala mm-hmm. uh, leads that mm-hmm. online, that's going to dent your confidence. Or if you're not fit enough and you think you are fit enough, that's going to totally erode your confidence as well. So it's a it's a tricky situation. Um, but it, it, I think he looks a decent player. I think he just he needs a bit more minutes on the field, and hopefully he'll, he'll get that. The most exciting player is Frimpong. He's yeah. the one for me that should be starting. Um, and, and, right and back and domestically, domestically, uh, this time in notes, I have no reason why Frimpong, he, he gives so much more energy, mm. he's so much more attack-minded. Domestically, he should be starting every game, in my opinion. Mm. Oh, he's one of the brightest young talents in the league. He actually plays more. He's more like a right winger than a right back. Aye. Probably he'll need to work a bit in the defensive game, but domestically he doesn't maybe come up to me against as good wingers as what you may be facing in Europe. I just, going back to my point earlier about, and this would be a Scott, you'll probably get into trouble in terms of saying about no playing with a strike or whatever. He looks like a natural penalty bot striker. But yeah, the type of guy maybe that Celtic have lacked for a while. Yeah, uh, and that's the option... To be fair, if you're looking to, to, to strengthen your squad, that's certainly something that you should be doing, is having somebody that's different from Edward, that's different from anybody else that you've got in the attacking positions. I don't see Griffiths really coming back into it for Celtic. Um, I think if he could get over whatever demons he's got just now, I think a loan deal would be probably perfect for him mm. because... I just don't see him getting enough minutes, and I don't. I, I think there's a disconnect between him and Celtic at the moment. So Ajeti, I, I think Edward has proved he can play as a two and doesn't need to be the number nine. Doesn't need to be the goal scorer. So if you can play him in and around Ajeti in the league, then they could absolutely demolish teams. Edward will be back after the break. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Unless Aston Villa sign off for 30 million. Well, who knows? I mean, there was that much speculation on Thursday about how many folk are wanting away and all sorts. And then his agent agent came out and said, it's not essential for him to play in the Champions League, but obviously he'd like to be playing in the Champions League. He's not going to probably get that with an English team. I don't think any of the Mm. teams that would potentially... Yeah, I can't think any of them there just now. However, I would say he, I think, will end up at a big club, a massive club in the future. He's got all the attributes for it. Uh, but I think at the moment, he'll probably end up 
getting something like when Yaba got a move to a kind of club that's in the Premiership established and then get a move up for Premier League score. Still. The, the, the only one, and they're not in the Champions League, that I thought quite seriously would actually make sense would be Arsenal if they sold Lacazette. But it looks like they're now going to keep him, so it's probably a no-go. But I think he would have been an ideal replacement for Lacazette at Arsenal. The one thing about Lacazette though, at Arsenal is it seems he's no first choice up front. The young boy in Katia seems to be the guy that's playing through the middle. Uh, so you never know, but I so, think it'll, it'll be a... I think Edward I think Edward's outstrips him and outbeats him uh, in every department. So if they were to sell Lacazette to Atletico Madrid and they've got a wee bit of money in their hands, then I would I would suggest Edward. Whether or not they see it that way, I don't know. And obviously Celtic fans will be hoping that that's not the case this summer anyway. Mm. On a touch note, I actually seen um, Bio scored twice. Aye, it was. Uh, did you see that? Yeah. Um, which is just kind of typical, isn't it? You know, Lennon must think, you know, just kick me in the teeth, why don't you? You know, he's he's got all these strikers on the bench. And then the one he's got loaned out scores twice. Celtic. Bio never really ever got enough chances, though, I don't think it's Celtic. Nah. Yes. I think you're pretty, I, I mean, I don't know what the, the equipment situation is with Celtic now. Is it Lennon well, that makes his signings? Is no. it the scouting system? No, it's, it's, so, um, players are potentially coming in. He's no one of them. And if your face doesn't fit, your face doesn't fit. But the problem will be with that is they paid 3.5. I know go back to Kamala. They paid 3.5 million for him. So if they don't play him and then they want him to go, his value is going to drop drastically. Do you know what? There's a, there's a lot there like that. There's that lad, Sorrow, they got. Um, he's no going to look in. There was a boy from Bolton. Um, Connell. O'Connell, yeah. yeah. I, I tell a lot of Bolton fans, because uh, obviously I live here in the northwest, saying, oh, he's a really good player. He's, he's, he's got something about him. He's, he's never had a look in. Kuasi never lasted any time here. He was gone more or less straight away. Um, exactly. it, it seems to me they just get players in. They really hope that somebody turns out really well. If not, we'll get a D. It's a bit that, like, that seems to be the policy. Is, is it Shred as well? Is he on loan in Belgium? Yeah. Uh, well, he's in the uh, paper the day. Apparently they were saying that he's a, he's a Great talent and everything, but I, you don't know what to believe half the time. It's almost, it's almost. I've got the analogy of digging for gold, and you've got your pan and you're looking through, and you've got all these bits, and Celtic just pick them up, look at them, and throw them away without properly looking to investigate what's actually happening either before they sign them or after they sign them, because the very few players that they bring in. And then just don't give a regular opportunity. It's probably a lot of it's probably to do with the era as well. Going for nine and then ten in a row probably makes it harder because they've consistently played well. So they don't want to drop the, the key players that they've got already in the squad. People don't want to hang about if they're not getting a game. So what you're finding is that they're bringing in loads of potentially good players, but they're just not giving them any game time to let them show that they're good players. Um, mm. You know, it's, it you know happened with Morgan as well at Celtic, um, and it, it, you know you go th- through the last three or four seasons where they've just bought, hoping to pick up a real gem, 
And if it doesn't turn out that way straight away, you then don't hear from them for a season and then they're punted off on loan or for less money the, the season after. It's probably something we'll, we'll talk about, I'm sure, as the season goes on and be interested to see how Celtic look after the international break in terms of more players coming in because Barry Douglas and Shane Duffy continue to be linked. So we'll see what happens. But the big game of the weekend anyway was Hibs Aberdeen. So that, that's what we're going to really talk about. Um, but I actually missed the start of the game, but by all accounts, Hibs started well. I've seen their chances that they had. There's a couple of really good chances. Um, Boyle and yeah, one where he should have lobbed it. I don't know what he's doing when he hits yeah. it straight at Joe Lewis. Or at least pass the ball. You know, I think he was caught in two minds of what to do. Either pass the ball inside the box and let the other player have a shot, or you put enough odd to it that you're actually going to chip the goalkeeper. I think I think that's what's happened. He's got caught in two minds of what he's wanting to do. He should always hit the shot, but I think he's got distracted and thought, I maybe should pass here. He didn't yeah. fancy it, and then he's got caught in between. I think Hibbs. This should be a good lesson for Hibs that they have to put away chances because they've not played well, but they've won games this season by not playing at their best. And this time, what's happened early on in this game, they were on top, didn't take away, their, didn't put away their chances, and then slowly and surely, after they get more and more on top of them, more and more in the game, and got the just desserts. Mm. Yeah, I say much as I missed the first 15 minutes, but I, from 15 minutes onwards, I would say Aberdeen pretty much dominated the game. Yeah. I don't think Hibs are really yeah. much in it. Apart from maybe maybe the last 15 when Aberdeen, again, touched on last week, kind of settled into maybe, like, let's just see the game out, which is a, a regular thing. My goodness. However, from a positive point of view, again, we built on what we did on Thursday in Europe. Um, something that Aberdeen fans have been crying out for a long time is to see us press more, not give teams too much time in the ball. So there's that. There was really fluid movement between the, the front three. Um, so we... We've almost, I would say, playing a 3 4 3 of sorts. Um, however, then when we're defending, we're hard to break down because we're five at the back. However, we're playing wing backs there. I, I was surprised that Kennedy kept playing the team against Hibs as a wing back, but putting some shift. Um, I was critical of him last week against Lovey. Hayes, you just know what you'll get. Hayes, for 33 34, he's still mm. getting the engine on him. He, he's just terrific going up and, up and down all day. I think, the, I think the game was won in midfield. From Gogic obviously missed the game. I think that was a big miss for Hibs. But I thought McCrory and Ferguson as a kind of tandem were fantastic. McCrory ran the show. He, he did yeah. everything he wanted. A, a ball winning midfield. He was winning the ball. He was breaking forward with it. He even had a couple of chances himself. He had a good heavy chance, but I think maybe we had a reason not expecting it. Um, and then there was one kind of layer as well. But he, he just did everything. He looks... I think he's better in midfield than centre-back. However, they can do both jobs. You touched on earlier about being in the Scotland squad at some point. His only issue about being involved as a centre-back might be if he doesn't end up playing centre-back regularly for us long-term. Because I think his, his best role will be as a forward and midfielder. Um, but for him and Ferguson as well as a two to match up against Hibs three. But have you seen, uh, have you seen some of the people... Uh, picking their Scotland teams for, for the next couple of games because a lot of players have played out of position for these people that have picked uh, Taylor's been played at centre-back um, I've seen Ryan Jack a lot of people suggesting him at right-back McTominay at centre-back so I, I think Scotland as a whole it would be uh, a lot of players playing up front that you know you wouldn't necessarily uh, see as strikers 
Uh, I think the, the the biggest boost actually from McCrory that I thought for Aberdeen was his uh, post-match interview. He seemed to be delighted to be at Aberdeen. Yeah. He seems to be there for the long haul, just wants to be playing football, just enjoying his, his, his time already there, playing as many minutes as possible. Doesn't seem to be put off by the fact that he's had to play in three different positions. Um, I think it shows game intelligence and probably, he's probably intelligent off the field. He comes across pretty well in interviews, which he can't. Just confident. As he said himself, the best thing about it, he's got a smile on his face. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's what won you the game, essentially, was that grip in midfield. Because if you if you win the midfield battle, that's a, a huge, big positive. Um, penalty. It's funny because Boyle did a lot of things right in terms of his initial reaction when he had the ball. Why does he play back in the box? Why does he run back in the box? I was going to say that, yeah. If he steps... Started in a that's position. the thing. So, so he, he, he does well, he gets the ball, beats two, and I can see why he's, he's taking that step back in, but he's taking another step back in. So, as soon as you take that first step, clear it then. You do not want to... He then... That's, that was his problem, is he didn't clear it quick enough and also has no awareness around him. He's then caught the player in the, who's... It was great pressing to, to, from uh, Watkins to actually get on top of him so quickly. And you're like, you've done so much well in that uh, in that build-up. Just clear it quicker. You know, it was crazy the, the amount of time it took and to step so far into his own box with it was just suicidal. Uh, and that's what it is slightly about. unfortunate because obviously, as you say, he doesn't know Watkins is there, but if he, mm. he puts himself in that position. Oh yeah, that, that's his, that's his fault. That's yeah, you know what I mean. That's that's that that's what happens. Um, Ferguson took the penalty well. It actually reminded me of his uncle. Nice low into the bottom corner. Um, very confident. I think honestly, I think without some of the hoo-ha that's gone with it, the COVID thing's probably been the making of Aberdeen so far this season because. It's brought it's, a togetherness. Yeah, it's Again. brought a togetherness. It's got them fighting for the same cause. And it, it, they're, they're out proving something, and they're doing that every week at the moment. I know they're not, you know, the last two games, I think they have really improved in how they've looked um, going forward and keep keeping the ball and stuff. I know the, the early wins were kind of sneaky wins. Um, but... That being said, they've got those wins, they've got those performances. Um, We've had Chris that... Boyd saying nice things about us. And is it three clean sheets in four last four games? Aye, so it's all right. So yeah, that's that's a huge positive. Um, again, the game itself, Watkins again, just adding that different dimension, the front three, with right and hedges. Right and hedges are a good bit of link up, like hedges should score. Um, with the chance that he has, that you can want to. Good thing. I was surprised at this because I actually surprised he didn't play on Thursday because I think he's been our best defender since he came back. Ash Taylor not playing. He never played again on Sunday. However, Tommy Holbein probably is our best centre back if he's fit. Don't um, say that. Don't say that. You're try- if you're trying to get best value for money, you've got to say McKenna's the best player in the world. That's all right. It's all right. 
the English, the English club's wrong when we listen to this podcast, but we're alright. Was uh, <laughs> hoping again was solid. He's just a, he's just a, a natural defender. There's not much that gets by him. Um, and the three at the back, something that's not worked for us in previous seasons. However, we've got the personnel for it just now, and I think it's helped by the fact that in game, within game, we can be adaptable. We can change there if we wanted to a four with the personnel that's there without any problems. So things like that help in terms of flexibility, in terms of maybe even matching up against other teams, because McInnes touched on it after the game, because we're a wee bit behind in fitness, he's he's matched up against other teams, whereas I think now he feels, right, we can now go and play our game, what our game is. So, uh, oh, best performance we've had for a while. We saved quite a lot of our best performances for the games against them, we've got a great record against them in recent times. But didn't we kind of say afterwards that that is, is kind of exactly what you're doing just now is playing like for like against teams because yes. they aren't as much sharp and as fit as other teams? Aye, that's what you said. Aye, that's what, that's yeah. So, so at least he's admitting it. Aye, exactly. Um, and it's working. So aside from the Rangers game, which the performance wasn't there, it'll be interesting to see if we can if we keep up with this formation, this style of play. Um, and when when we get to play, well, we're so Celtic. But the breaks come at the wrong time for us. We would rather be still be playing, keep keep doing what we're doing. Um, with that, even as well, midfield. Later on, McGeer came on again and was impressive coming off the bench. He had a good game in Europe. So, yeah, we bit of competition, we bit more positivity. Fans are happy. It's rare after that an Aberdeen game in maybe the last year or so that there's no many complaints after the game. I don't think we would have many complaints that you could come up with which is good so I happy dandy <laughs> yeah. uh, Scotland uh, uh, podcast recently in recent years we've kind of struggled to talk about the Scotland games because Chris and me have both become a bit kind of mm. slightly apathetic towards Scotland like a lot of people have however it's a new season fresh start, maybe we'll try and be a bit more positive. Did you see earlier they always say the Ollie McBurney situation? Um, it's not been communicated well, obviously. Yeah. However, the, I remember, was it no last season, that there was an incident whereby he almost dismissed being called up by Scotland. There was a wee was an interview or something, or I can't remember. There was something, I'm pretty sure, for last season um, about how keen maybe he is to play for Scotland. I don't know. It should have been communicated better anyway, because he was on the bench for Sheffield United tonight. Yeah, keeping supposedly as that he's not quite match sharp, so that's why he's still. It's funny because I see that people who watched the game, um, Sheffield United fans, said he was actually looked pretty sharp when he came on, um, which is slightly ironic. I don't think, I don't think he himself is smart enough. That he would do that, do you know what I mean? I, I think it is just a, a lack of communication. I know Tartanari fans jumped on it straight away, and I know there's, there's a kind of there's a there's a, an apathy or a dislike, probably stronger than apathy, dislike to McBurney. Um, I, I don't think he's set the heather alight, and I think that that's hampered him. So I think that kind of all came in in a perfect storm to create this situation. But I think as, as soon as I saw it, I thought it was probably down to 
communication issues. Um, I don't think Steve Clark bigs him up the way that he does without really thinking that he's never going to play for Scotland again or he's going to, there's going to be issues uh, there. I think what a lot of people forget when they look at Scottish strikers, or look at any striker, but especially Scottish strikers, because it's international football, it takes a lot of them time to get used to international football. It takes about 20 games for a lot of strikers to actually start scoring goals at international level. You look at like Lee Griffiths um, is probably the most recent example, and Kenny Miller was kind of the same. It takes them a, a chunk of time to get into the team, keep their place, and actually figure out what their role is for the team and to get into the goal-scoring opportunities and put chances away. I think McBurney is a talent. I think people kind of brush him aside. I think he did well for uh, Sheffield United last season. And I think we just have to be a bit more uh, patient with our strikers, whether it's going to be McBurney or now Dykes um, or Shankland or whoever we're going to play with us. We're not creating a lot of chances. We're not probably playing it the forwards' preferred formations and the way the style that they're they're wanting to play in. I would just urge a wee bit of caution um, with the McBurney thing. I know he's a big Rangers fan, and sometimes that puts people's backs up um, when they're so far into one side of the, the old firm. But just a wee bit of caution, and also concentrate on the players that are there. Let's see what Dykes can do. Let's see what can happen. Um, so, listen, I'm, I'm, they're my main team now, Scotland, so I'm, I'm hoping for the best. The one thing I would say, I'm not opposing any blame to McBurney, but I think it's more so what you see is it's players that play in England in the top flight that seem to withdraw and then be available for their club straight away. Ryan Fraser's another one. <coughs> I like Ryan Fraser as a player, but there's been a few times that he's kind of pulled out. Tierney as well, there's been times as well, it's been a bit questionable. Um, going to Arsenal but see what happens I concentrate the players that are there Dykes will we play up front do you think Jack will start he's only natural striker in the squad I would like to see I, him starting I think I think they'll have to um, to be honest with you get, try him out see how he gets on um, for my take with the McBurney um, just quickly to go back over the problem I have with McBurney is it seems to be stuff outside the him actually playing. It doesn't seem to be issues with his performances when he actually plays for Scotland. Um like for example this with Sheffield United. Um he knows he's pulled out of that squad and he knows if he's on the bench the night that there's gonna be a bit of a backlash up here. Uh, well back up the road I should say with regards to don't get yourself in that situation. Just say to the manager surely Listen, it's a friendly, but I pulled out the Scotland team. Can you give me the night off, basically, and play me in a, a week's time or something? You know, with the guys that don't, I'm, I'm sure the manager wouldn't have played them. Supposedly, them. it was a miscommunication between Wilder and Clark, supposedly, or, or, or yeah. getting getting that um, getting that message across to, to, to the media. Listen, it, it, it's not a good look. Um but I do think I, 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 I personally think I, I don't think he's as keen as what people like to think he is if, if I'm being honest with him and that's not because he's a Rangers fan or anything like that I just 
I seen his interview um, on Sky Sports last week, where he was. They asked him, um, "Are you going back to be um, to kind of fulfil um, your promise and to show Scotland fans what you're missing?" And he was like, "Well, I'm only going back because Steve Clark's had faith in me." And then to say you're not a match fit, and then to be on the bench, I think that must be a wee bit of kick of teeth for Steve Clark. Because he must know as well that all oh, this is going to come back to him. I know if there's a miscommunication, there's a miscommunication. But I can't tell but think in a year's time we'll have another scenario. Um, and yeah. that, that's just the way I am with McBurney. I think there's other players who probably deserve a chance, like Dykes, um, who've kept their heads down and not attracted any attention. Um, you know, so that, that, that's the way I feel about that. Um, but I think what, what John said is true, and it's it's maybe not just the, the Premier League as much as um, the era of international football. The players are not as passionate or as interested in international football as mm-hmm. the Premier League or the Champions League, or, or you know chasing titles and cups. Um, I, 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 I think you're probably right there. I don't think McBurnley's probably as passionate as a Kenny Miller was to put on the Scotland jersey. Yeah. Um, and again, that might change if Scotland gets some good results and he scores some goals. Um, and maybe there's a bit more uh, acceptance from the fans. Um, but to go back to, to George's point about um, Dyke starting, I'm not sure it's a, it's a certainty. I hope it is, but it wouldn't surprise me if Burke started. Yeah, I think was it Buck? Was it was it Alaves? He was up last yeah, year on loan. Yeah, all the games he did all right towards the end of the season, but we've seen it before in Scotland games. I don't think he's a. I don't know. I'm not mm. overly convinced. I would say, however, I think he's actually better off front there as wide for us. Uh, yeah. And the one thing that might give him a chance of playing again, height. Yeah. Um, I think Clark will like someone that's a bit more a bit of presence. And he'll run. Yeah. He's got he's yeah. got a bit of pace. He'll run and stuff. So, I think, I think you'll see it as Dyke too much pressure on Dykes just to throw him in, uh, starting the games. I think, as I say, I think it will probably be Burke. Although I wouldn't, uh, for me, I would, I would go right. Okay, Dykes, you're my man. Let's let's see what you can do. Um, there's no many options because I'm just looking at the announcer. No. So there's Burke, Dykes, Forrest, McBurney's pulled out in Shanklin. So Shanklin's, Shanklin's pulled out for a while. He's pulled out. pulled out. Yeah. Ah, he's not played recently. Um, it's all right. We've got Ryan Christie. He can play up front. Hi. Uh, no. But um, other, we Greg at left back. Other points to make as well. Will we play four or three at the back? There's more players now playing in a three at the back at times. Well, I, I, when I picked my team um, yesterday, I had three at the back. Did you go three five two? Did you go three four three? Where did you go? So the BBC website wouldn't let me do it. So I had uh, what I would prefer to do was three, uh, five in midfield, but then have Armstrong playing off Dykes. Right, okay, aye. Yep. So, uh, so you've got a kind of diamond almost in the midfield. So I would have Ryan Jack playing in front of the defence. Um, just because the reason I picked Jack over McTominay is just because he played... Um, yeah, that's my thinking as well. 
So I, I kind of tried to get as many kind of Scottish based players into the starting lineup just because they've got the the match sharpness. Um, so that's kind of my thinking on it. I think I've got no problems playing Tierney in the back three. I think he'll give you everything. He's I think a smart defender. Um, and then have Robertson playing kind of out left. Uh, but yeah, the thing is, people say, oh, well, you know, Tierney might not have done it the last time he played for Scotland in a back three. Well, you have to have people time. This yes. is the problem as well. You know, he's, he's, you're playing players out of position and you're playing different formations. You need to give, you need to decide, right, we're going to play this formation. We're going to, this player's going to play in this position. We're going to have to stick with it. And that's sometimes Scotland's problem. They throw it out the window as soon as they think there's a problem. Yeah, big thing from Tierney as well. Though we ask, I think he's come out as well and said he wants to repay the faith that Clark's had on him. So, mm. I I think I'd like to see us play. I think three at the back because obviously we're not as strong. We're not strong defensively. So I'm not extra man there. I think would help out. I don't yeah. think you could play a four at the back and have Tierney as a centre back. I don't think that would work. But no. as a three, no. it's fine. And again, maybe depending on personnel, you can kind of adapt. When Robertson's flying up the line here, they can almost kind of fuck in at left back, and maybe you, you change into a four. The yeah, thing is thinking of who the third centre back is. I think McKenna and Tierney will play. So would it be Gallagher or Cooper? Cooper. Cooper. Yeah, that's what I was, I was thinking of. Um, Cooper has just got into the Premier League with Leeds. He's full of confidence. He's waited a long time for this Scotland yeah. jersey. And Motherwell have been hopeless defensively in the last couple of games. So I know I've said I've tried to get as many Scottish-based players for fitness as possible, but I can't see confidence-wise him being totally in the right frame of mind for the Scotland game. Plus, you know, I'm not going to make any meal about it. I wouldn't pick Gallagher for other reasons and for my Scotland team anyway. So Yeah, and I think we expect then Jack, McGregor, McGinn. Yes. That, yep, that was my midfield. Who's your right wing back? Forrest. Forrest, right wing back. So, I think Forrest gives you plenty of pace going forward, but he actually is industrious. He will work back um, and put a shift in for the team. Um, I don't I don't like the idea of playing Palmer and... Um, uh, Robertson, I don't like the kind of. I, I prefer some somebody with a bit more attack minded. If we were playing with a defender, I know Robertson's very attack minded anyway. But I kind of think that there's more balance if you play Forest there, and you create more chances. So what do you think over the two games? Do you think six points realistic, or is that a case of it's not impossible? Mm. Um, I, I, I think we could do it. I think we could get six points. It's I mean, I'd probably, if it was me, I'd go with, I'm just looking at the squad now, so I'd have uh, McKenna, uh, McKenna, Cooper, and Tierney as my back three. Um, I'd then have Andy Robertson and Greg Taylor as my wing backs. I'd have in my centre midfield, uh, McGinn and McTominay. Um, attacking to uh, Armstrong and Christie, and probably have a bit buck buck up front. I like your confidence. No playing with a keeper. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously with a <the> keeper. <laughs> Who's your keeper? 
Let me just check with the squad. I'm just going to need to look for you now. I think it has to be McLaughlin because he's not conceded yet. Aye. Marshall's just joined Marshall's just joined the team. Aye, McLaughlin. Aye, he's probably the best. Um the three, to be honest with you. Well, I say the best, he probably deserves it. We, we've Aye, been there for a and the fact he can play uh, in, yeah, I would say so. Um, aye, usually Chris would be on to try and explain the Nations League and how it's going to work in terms of qualification. So, to summarise, because I'm not as good at doing it as him, there's 10 groups for the World Cup. The top 10 will qualify automatically for the World Cup. Then you put 10 runners-up, which will then be joined by the two best Nations League group winners that failed to finish in the top two of the qualifying group and those 12 teams will then be drawn into three different playoff paths with the three winners making the World Cup. That's to summarise it and I think mm. remember the initial and nation stages everyone was <laughs> um, confused about how it was all going to work out anyway but to make things obviously more confusing as we get the actual Nations League from the last last year was Still one. Yeah. So, okay, it's 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 really I guess I'm going to have plenty of time to get familiar with each other anyway over the next few months. Because we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, potentially eight games. Mm. If we can get through the the time that's month against Israel. It's. Which might help Steve Clark. I was going to say that's probably the best thing for Steve Clark in terms of finding a settled team and get more minutes for for players. Because even if you look at it, you know, McGinn, um, McTominay, these players don't have a huge amount of international experience. Mm. So to get more games for them, and this is the other thing, you know, people dropping out every every other game doesn't help either. So to, for Scotland to do well, you need to have that kind of, I've got to use the cliche, that club feel to it. You need to have everybody playing, singing on the same hymn sheet. So having a few games extra probably helps us, hopefully. Yeah, the one thing as well is I think in terms of the age of the squad, it's quite a good, the potential the players can be together for like minimum two tournament campaigns. Yeah. Mm. Which could help. And I think there's been talk for ages that we want some fresh blood, we want that freshness about the squad and you can't argue with that. And I think if you look at the squad that was picked initially, is there anyone you could say was harsher done by? I don't think there was. And then you've got players, you know, McCrory, uh, Gilboa, possibly Hornby, um, Ferguson. Uh, Ferguson. Um, I'm trying to think, is there any uh, real out and out defenders? Probably not. But these players that can come in as well at some point um, and bolster things. Uh, I still think we could do with another striker and another really good defensive partnership to, to, to flourish somewhere, whether it's a three or a two. Aye, the problem is there's not really, any, there's not really anyone. Nah, bring, bring, back bring back Berra. Bring back Berra. Aye. If in doubt, Berra's about. Aye, we'll see what happens. It's just a shame about the fact, obviously, Lee Griffiths at the end of last season was yeah. playing, he'd come into form, things were going well. If the original tie had been played, he'd have been in the squad, likely. 
but things can change in the space of five months. So for that sake, not for that, just for that sake, I hope Griffiths can get back to playing football. Mm. Yeah, 100%. I, I, I think Scotland are far better with Griffiths as an option, and he's probably our best experienced international striker at the moment. Um, and he's got, listen, he's got a lot to give football. I just hope that he can find somewhere where he settles in and gets back into playing and scoring goals. Because he's potentially in his peak years as well just now. Mm. I think the peak years are a wee bit lighter now because players are generally fitter. So he's still got a good four or five years in the game potentially. Does that, does that include Griffiths who likes to go out for a chippy and everything else? That's well... Uh, listen, if he can get rid of any demons that he's got, play with a smile on his face, score goals, I don't care where it is, if it's a Celtic great, if it's at Hibs possibly, the brilliant, if it's somewhere down south, anywhere, then I'll, I'll be happy first and foremost for him and his family, and then hopefully what happens for Scotland at the end up as well. Yeah, 100%. 100%. But the game's are both on Sky, so Friday for the Israel game, and then Tuesday for Jet Republic. I think. Is it Monday? So I will be watching. I will be watching. Because I had, I had gone out a wee, I had gone out a touch a wee bit and stopped watching some of the games, but no. You positivity, watch it, and hopefully I can get the uh, campaign off to a good start. It's the only Scotland's now the only team that I can watch, and it'll put me in the mood for the next couple of days if they, if something horrific happens. So I used so, to be uh, I used to go all the time. I used to go to the home home games, and I think it was just all the tune and flow in terms of when it changed to like basically international football getting played every day of the week. Mm, I think I just get fed up with. It. My biggest gripe with international football is the SFA charge over the odds for a product that's actually got worse and worse, and it just makes it it just makes it so much harder to really support Scotland because they want you to pay thirty thirty five pounds. They'll say, oh, but you know, you can go and see an international superstar singer, and you're paying more. For your tickets than you would a season ticket to Scotland, and you're like, yeah, but you know you're going to get a performance from one, and it's not going to be the Scotland team. So, aye, and along with that, the fact that when you're we're talking earlier about maybe our players are committed to playing in national jersey as much, that has a knock-on effect on the Yes. Uh, However, to, if we were back qualifying for tournaments, we'd all be there and we'd all be aye. buzzing. So that's that's what we need. We really do. The fans and the players bounce off each other. Obviously, there's not going to be that situation just now because there's no crowd. Mm. I think potentially that might help Scotland. I think, yeah, I think that'll help Scotland. I know from going to games in the past, and you know, here all the time, Hamden especially, fans are very quick to be, oh, especially when we're under strike in particular, when we're trying to play a bit more of a kind of style of football that's possession-based and all that. There's always the shout, shout, so just get up the pitch, get up the pitch. And you're like, got to let things evolve. So hopefully, we can get back to our tournament. Some way, and that'll that'll change the mood. Fingers crossed for that. Um, so yeah, we'll cover them. Goes well. Depends what day we do the podcast next week. That might come into play. We might wait till after the second game. Um, so we've got a much bit more to talk about. 
Um, we have a blog that Good John has done as well, so we retweeted that from the podcast account, so I've read that, it's good, good read. And we had a poll in terms of the Tonics Caramel Wafer Challenge Cup. So the options were, should it be cancelled? Should it keep the full format or have a reduced format? Because there's been nothing decided yet about the competition. Uh, 48% went for the reduced format, 43% said just cancel altogether, and 10% said keep the same format. I don't know what you'd get in terms of the other clubs from England, Wales, Northern Ireland and all that as well. See, I would have said reduced format and let the teams decide. And then if they want to... Because the thing is, these teams might need these extra fixtures for money if they can get a certain amount of fans in. Uh, yeah. The only problem I think, though, when there was at times some teams were saying that it was costing them more to play these Wales teams and go... Well, I, I, would, I would imagine those teams won't be playing. I would imagine that restriction-wise, you won't be getting teams coming from, you know, North Ireland and Wales and, and the like. So I would suggest it will be, a, personally, if I could choose, it would be an all-Scottish affair. And teams get to pick and choose whether or not they play in it this year just because financially they might think it's not viable or other way around, they might think it is viable and it's a good excuse for a, a, a trophy at the end of it. Um, give the teams the option. I think sometimes football teams and fans in Scotland get overlooked when it comes to these sort of decisions and it would be a good way of actually changing that. Aye, no, definitely. And we've still got the final from last season. But for me, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'd probably like it just to go back to the old knockout cup competition again because to me it feels like these group stages are just like glorified Friendlies. Oh no, this is the lower this is the lower league one, no doubt. Oh sorry, the lower one's my apologies. Uh, so when we get the Colts teams playing in. Oh and yeah, sorry. And all that, so. I suppose it's really the, the lower league clubs in that scenario, as Scott says, that they would need to talk about that and come come up with some plan themselves. Because there's no much point having a tournament where like half the teams involved in it are basically not making any money or anything at all out of it, you know, for, for this season. Um, and uh, as you say, travelling um, to Northern Ireland or Wales or what have you, um, especially if you're like somebody like Elgin, you know what I mean? It's. Aye, uh, the other thing as well, the problem is in terms of just now where you're going to fit in, because obviously the lower league season is not going to start till. October. October. Mm. So, when do you fit it in? Because they're going to struggle already. I think the lower league team that comes the winter in terms of trying to fit in the existing league games that they've got to play. I think it's going to be difficult to try and get it arranged. Well, that's what I'm saying. So, you, you give them the option, yeah. and you give them the, the chance to decide the, the, their own fate. If you, if a lot of them say, listen, we don't want to do it, but you say you've got 16 teams that say, yeah, we'd prefer to do it then you've got a lot easier ways of getting around that and putting those fixtures in. Um, or if they all say, listen, as a kind of a majority, listen, let's cancel it. At least they've, they've had their own say. That's, you know, I, 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 I never understand why we don't give football fans and clubs um, the chance to actually have their own say and kind of work it out for themselves. Because I think a lot of times probably find that the fans make more better decisions than the, mm-hmm. the organisations and the football clubs, to be fair. So, again, just to confirm, because 
obviously living down here, if we don't see much of the, the, the lower leagues, the Scottish football, but are they talking about like trying to play the games midweek for them, for the Challenge Cup? Oh, so they usually they do. Talking about yeah, they would have to, yeah. yeah. Uh, to be honest, because... far ahead enough to see how many of the existing league games are going to be played midweek. I would imagine a fair few because of the, the situation of the season will start until October. However, there's only what 27 games getting played, and by that point, and then probably be afraid about nine games anyway. So, hearts are still in the Scottish Cup, that's another kind of spanner in the works. I lie, last year's Scottish Cup, and, you, and you're also <laughs> hoping that it's not a bad winter for games getting called off and what have you because well, we'll they start having games called off. Scottish, we had, ah, we had uh, bad, there's going to be a bad winter or spring or something. <laughs> With the game called off the other week, the Dundee United, was it Sheffield United? Or was it Brighton? I can't remember who it was. They had a pre-season game in August that got cancelled because they're in. So, you, you never know. Um, one thing I, was, I might finish up touching on is possible possibility that lessons haven't been learned from the the Aberdeen situation in terms of getting to bars because there was speculation about a player being involved in a, a bit of a bar. We won't name the player because it's probably unfair to name the player when it's not been definitely confirmed that something's happened. But if it's true, you would players need to like learn from what's going on previously. The, the warning's there about football getting stopped. I know it's a different situation, but it could impact, especially in the, the area it is as well, because I think it's one of the worst hit. Just mm. now for coronavirus in Scotland. I think players really need to be on, on the game in a lot of aspects with regards to how they behave outside uh, the football pitch because not only are they monitored um, constantly with social media, cameras, all that kind of thing, and phones, what have you, but sadly, say, I think you also get folk that like to have their 15 minutes of fame in the papers, uh, you know, given their stories about how bad this player was or this is what happened um, they just need to make sure that they're doing everything by the book and there's nothing um, you know because from reading um, the article um, you had a contradiction where one of the places the player was in the bar staff or bar manager was saying he was brilliant he followed all the rules, you know, and then you have the other incident. So I think players really need to be careful because there will be folk out there. They will look at them as easy targets to get their 15 minutes of fame. Now, the, the, if I was an owner of a football club, uh, I would want my players 100% to be staying in their house, coming to training, playing football, Go back to the house, right? That's I would be kind of insistent upon. This is what you're earning your money. We're in a global pandemic. I expect this and nothing less from you. But at the same time, it's a wee bit unless unless you really have that in a contract, it's hard to kind of police and to kind of stick to that rule. And then the problem that is that the guidelines change a lot. You look at the, the situation in Glasgow, Greater Glasgow and Western Bartonshire and East Ren at the moment, 
I can go out to my work. I can have a drink with a couple of pals. I can go out for a meal with a member of my family. But I can't have anything back to my house. And I can't go to any of their houses. It's very hard. And if you don't instill that into your club, and sometimes it's hard if a player's, you know, for whatever reason, to, to, to get them through the, the whole guidelines. You've then got the fact that people think it's a hoax, that people won't wear masks because they don't believe in them. It's it's such a, a minefield of the whole country, never mind just football. You'd have to, to know for a certainty that they've not followed the guidelines properly before you could gain a, do anything. So it's just a hard kind of process to navigate around. It's not made easier with the fact that the guidelines aren't crystal clear at the moment. I mean, you would like to think that the SPFL Premier League clubs, at least, have got some sort of department or somebody that's at least briefing the players as up to date as they can. Or, for example, we have a situation where Glasgow um, has gone into kind of a lockdown where somebody for the club is texting like the Glasgow-based players saying, listen, this is what's happening and keeping them up to date. Um, if clubs are not doing that or, or there's nobody updating players, then that's where I think you start having problems because, as you say, Scott, players don't know what's right for wrong because they're not being told. Uh, I, think like, I think out of the, the situation whereby the yellow card is given, I think the players now know for definite what they are supposed to be doing and what they're not supposed to be doing. They've been told in a privileged position. And maybe it's no fair because you and me can go for a pint. Mm. And they've been almost told, right, don't be putting yourself in that position. Like going but, it's like, like but, but, but have they been told that? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think, it, I think it did come out at the end of it. At the, the incident was it two mm. weeks ago? I think it was the Friday when they came out. I think there was guidelines mentioned about privileges and basically screwed them up. I think it was. I think it was certainly kind of intimated. I just don't know if it went as far enough to actually say to them, "You're not allowed to go out." I would. I'd be, would be, int- I I'd be it, interested to know before the clubs. Are going signing off the same hymn sheet, or have they all got different interpretations? I think they probably will be in terms of what's happened because they don't want football stopped. No. Football gets stopped, and it's the fault of players or whatever within the game. The TV, what happens again with the TV contract? The, the difficult thing, and this is the same for Celtic and Aberdeen beforehand, is that you can't legislate for certain members of your squad because they interpret things differently or they think they can get away with it. Or, you know, or something, you know, Aberdeen, apart from the fact there's probably too many of them in the one area, they were probably not meant to know how busy the pubs they were going to were going to be. It's, it, 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 it kind of catches up on you. But they should be there in the first place. I always said that. I don't think, you know, you lose a game the first game of the season, I don't think your automatic re- reaction should have been go out for a, for a couple of pints. But, you, ha- you know, there's no way I think any team is going to be able to control every single member of the squads, and that's the, 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 that's the hard part. Yeah. But 
hopefully there's one more situation to come up anyway. But we will finish on a positive note. No doubt, we're all in favour. Rory McKenzie, pick it out. Aye, 100%. Yeah, definitely. I think it's the technique and the finish um, was sublime. Uh, I think Hayes was great. I liked Forrest's goal. Um, I think O'Donnell scored a good goal in Europe as well. Another kind of cracker from the outside the box. But, you know, the, the technique and the build-up play and everything just fell right for uh, McKenzie and it was a, a fantastic goal. Aye, yeah, fantastic and plastic. <laughs> there you go. That might that might well be our podcast title for the week. I was gonna say that's the pod, that's podcast uh, title done. But actually, well done, Tony. Um, yeah. but yeah, we'll, we'll be back next week at some point to review the, the Scotland action. Um I don't know what, what day yet, but we'll see. Because this is getting recorded on a Tuesday for a wee change. So cheers guys, thanks again for coming on. Cheers, thank you. Hi, cheers for having us again. Cheers. <laughs>